Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of the How to Get Recruited podcast. I'm Coach Allison. I am so glad that you have decided to spend some time with me today to talk recruiting. And I don't I don't know how you guys have been doing, but I have been dragging myself across the finish line of summer. My kids are finally back in school this week, and I can finally commit a lot more time to doing some more of these podcasts and some more of my free content. And I'm also taking on some new clients. So if you have been wondering for a while what that might look like for you, I definitely invite you either go to the link in my bio through my Instagram, or you can go to my website and schedule a free discovery call. And we can just talk about what that looks like for you and your family and how we can get you that commitment that you're looking for. Today, I am so excited. My favorite thing to do in this podcast is to talk to other people, other experts in this field who have experience and years and years of experience to share with you guys who are trying to navigate this recruiting space. So I am so excited to talk to Fred Wallace, the head coach of Sunny Morrisville in today's episode. Fred has just an amazingly extensive background in college coaching, mostly at the Division III ranks. He has been Coach of the Year at Sunny Morrisville several times. They have won conference championships, and he has really built a program of success there. And so in this episode, we're talking about what goes into finding the right fit for your athlete, what things really matter. We're also going to talk a lot about Division Three and really all the different levels and what Division Three looks like, what an athlete who is going to be successful at D3 looks like, and just how to really explore your options, your athletes' options to find them the best situation possible for their college experience. Hey guys, I'm Coach Allison. I'm a former college coach and player, now a current recruiting expert and educator. I empower student athletes and their families to take control of their recruiting process. In this podcast, I will give you clarity on what steps to take in your journey. And we'll also hear from current and former college coaches and players so you can learn firsthand from people who have gone through it themselves. With education on the process and a recruiting plan in place, you can help make your athletes' dreams of playing in college a reality. Let's talk about how to get recruited. Fred, thank you so much for joining me. I'm super excited to chat with you today. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. So Fred, I love to get started in these interviews with uh, a game, much so, like it's a, a piece of my coaching philosophy. I always start every practice with the game, get the competitive juices blowing. Not that we're competing here, but we can have a little fun with it. So I'm going to ask you a series of questions, and these are all quick response questions, all about you. Um, a couple of... Uh, easy questions, maybe a couple that might be harder. So try, most of them are like one word answers. Some might be short sentences, but it'll be rapid fire. Okay. You got it. You ready? Yes. Are you sure? No, but go ahead anyway. <laughs> we'll see. Okay. Favorite summer activity? Uh, beach volleyball. Mm. Mexican or Italian food? Italian. 
What's your dish? I love lasagna. Europe or South America? South America. If you weren't coaching volleyball, what would you be doing? Ooh. To be honest, I have no clue. This is, I, I, I really, I'm one of those lucky people that I think found what he was supposed to be doing. So Love that. Love that. Volleyball or bust. Yeah. Love it. Describe your team's personality in one word. Team personality in one word. Quirky. I like it. Your ideal practice length. Hour and a half. I'm the same. <laughs> no, there's a sweet spot with 90 minutes. If you get it planned right, I'm right there with you. Your favorite volleyball position to coach. Libero. Nice. This one we can unpack more in depth in a minute, but because <laughs> I know there's this one's a loaded one. Biggest misconception about D3 athletics. Ooh, is that it's just a continuation of high school athletics. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, I think of a lot of high school ball. I really wish that wasn't the the word out there because uh division three volleyball is incredibly competitive um uh, you know and i wish people would come watch it before they make up their mind about who we are i absolutely agree and that's a perfect transition into really what we we came here to talk about which is the value of d3 and everything it has to add because it is such a valuable but unique branch of athletics in college. And I think like more people need to be educated about it. More people need to be going to the games to be educated about it, you know, before making any kind of assumptions like that. Yep. I yep. 100% agree with that. And we can dig into that a little more in depth in a minute. So Fred, tell us your story. How did you end up at Morrisville and how has your time there been? From, I was uh, mainly a track and field and cross country guy, uh, ran all over the country, didn't get really serious about volleyball until the Air Force. And then out of the Air Force, I started and coached a club team at SUNY Brockport, uh, where I was playing and doing everything all at one time, moved all over the place and ended up here. At, at Morrisville by choice, actually. My personal niche was to take teams that were struggling, uh, rebuild their culture, get them to be conference contenders and so forth, and then move on to the next school and do it again. I, I love that challenge. Uh, my wife, however, made it very clear we were done moving and wherever I picked next <laughs> was my home. This job came open and you know, I came in and we've been very successful and I'm very, very happy here. That's really cool. I love you, you <laughs> kind of end up where you are, you find the right fit and you know, that's all she wrote. <laughs> so that's really cool. Yeah, exactly. I love it. And how long have you been at Morrisville now? I'm starting my 12th year, right? COVID threw me all off balance. I'm starting my 12th year. Yes. I, I think it, it threw us all off balance. I'm still... <laughs> With grad years and the extra years, I'm so glad when we're done with that. So I can just be like, this is this year. We don't have to worry about those extra grad students, right. anything like that. But well, cool. Well, tell me a little bit about 
what Morrisville maybe looked like when you took over and what it looks like now and what you and your staff have done to kind of move it to where it is now. Sure. Uh, so the, the program was in a little bit of disarray when I got here. Uh, they had some good, very good people actually involved with it, but it was a part-time position and not a lot of recruiting was being done. I kind of made some stipulations that, you know, they had to let me go out on the road and all of these things. I was also the softball coach when I was first hired here. I was, which is very common in D3 to have two major duties. Yeah. I did both for three years and then went to the AD and was like, okay, that I'm at crossroads with the programs. Now we, you know, I need one, I prefer volleyball. Cause this is, like I say, it's my passion in life. And he okayed it. Uh, and with that, okay, you know, I started traveling more. We focused 100% on our culture. Uh, uh, went out and got three or four really good people. Uh, very average volleyball players, but really good people. And I told them, I said, you guys might not ever win a championship, but we will because you're here and great players are going to want to play with good people. That's where we got. I mean, we've we've won four of our last five conference championships, went to nationals. You know, we're we're competing at a at a fairly high level right now uh, with a very small team from all over the country. But it's it's a process. I do a, a, a few coaches talks every year and I always tell them it's a five year process to do it right. Mm. You got to got to work in your culture. You got to get your kids involved and you start with good people and then you build to good people that are great players. And then eventually, hopefully it sustains itself. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. And I completely agree. It's uh, when I took over a losing program, it was very similar. Like you're, of course you're looking for high level players. It's not like you're not looking for that. But it's more important when you're taking over like a losing culture or whatever you want to call it to have the right leaders and the right mentality and attitudes. Like if if you don't have that as a foundation, everything else is rocky. That Absolutely. That is exactly right. Yeah. So had you coached D3 before you got to Morrisville? Yeah, I've actually been mainly a D3 coach. Okay. Uh, I- I love the division three philosophy to me. There's something very special about a kid that's willing to come to the gym every single day and, and spend their time and, and give their all. It takes a special kid to be successful at division three. It's in some ways more difficult than D one and D two to be a successful D three player. Yeah. I had a, um, a coach on my podcast early on and we t- she had been at a D3 she's now at a D2 and we talked about how at the D3 like at every level you have to love the game but yep. there's a special love of the game that you need at D3 because because there's no athletic scholarships you know that you are there because you love the school and you love volleyball and and, and that's why you go there you know so i i think that's really cool and very like admirable for those athletes who go that route Oh, uh, absolutely. I mean, another one of those misconceptions is that D3 athletes don't work as hard as, you know, some of the other ones. And, and again, and in a lot of ways, they work harder because, you know, at D1, you can be with your kids all year, pretty much at D2, you get 
all these things. I see my kids during the season then for 16 days, you know, and yet they still need to get in the weight room. They still need to get in the gym. They have to keep up with their studies. And that's hard. You know, it's hard when you've yeah. got classes and social life and all these things going on and your coach isn't there to continually knock on your door um, to get up and get moving. Um, I think team leadership, so my captains and so forth, I think their role may be more vital than anything else at D3 because they're the constant motivators. So, you know, it's a, it, like you said, it's a special kid that, that goes D3 and is successful at it. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it takes a lot of that culture and that, um, what is the word I'm looking for? Uh, self-motivation. That yes. you're in, in, internally motivated to be able to do the work. And for those of you who who don't know what he means by like the limited schedule, D3 has a very unique schedule, especially in the spring. So can you talk about what that looks like at the D3 level? Sure. So uh, actually there were just some changes. So we get about an extra week up until this coming year, we were getting uh, 16 spring days uh we could do four days a week and one of those dates was a play date if we wanted to use it mm -hmm. so we were literally in the gym for a month for you know no more than two hours at a time where we could work with our team outside of that you're kind of on your own and then in the summer it's even crazier in that i cannot even ask an athlete if they're working out so it, you know it really does make a difference on what what the athlete values at D3 and what the coaches value too, you know. I tell every single player I talk to on the phone, in person or whatever, that if you're going to come play for me to be successful, you've got to want to be great. It, it can't be you want to be average or you want to be good and just show up at practice. You've got to want to be great and do the work on your own. Um, but I would think and hope most division three coaches give all of the tools and have a uh, show you where all the resources are, but that's what we get to do. You know, um, right. I, me in particular, I'm not a knock on your door at 7am. If you're not lifting, if you're not there, then you're not getting better. Yeah. You know, but we, we recruit players that want to be great that that's kind of, you know, the line that we use. And if you want to be great, you're going to use the tools and the resources that we give you to do so. Yeah. I love that. That's really cool. And that also holds a high standard for your athletes coming in and who are already there, because if there's great recruits coming in behind them, like that's, that's one thing a lot of people don't really talk about in recruiting is that coaches are continuously needing to make their team better. So not that they're intentionally recruiting over athletes, but they're always wanting to push the standard, push the level uh, to be able to keep their team better in the long run. Yeah. We, we talk about that several times a year that, you know, uh, coach Kim, our assistant and my main job is to go get players that are better that we currently have. So if our current players aren't getting better, in all honesty, if I do my job well, some of them shouldn't be on the floor next fall. Yeah. Uh, now, again, we tell our kids that, you know, not not trying to scare them or whatever, but 
you know, volleyball is how I feed my family. Even though it's D3, we want to compete at the highest level we possibly can. I mean, our expectations every year are that we're going to get better. Mm -hmm. So, and in order to do that, we have to train the people that we have and get athletes that are already where they are or better so that we can continually move up that ladder. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I love what you said. A lot of athletes, parents, recruits don't really think this is coach's livelihood. This is their job. This is like their job is to make their team better. Their job is to recruit at the highest level they're possibly able to, you know, whatever that looks like for the specific program and within your conference and nationally. If if you've won, they expect you to keep winning or continuing to win more, you know? Yeah, that's uh one one of the big things that changed with within our program actually at Morrisville in general is our men's basketball team had two years where they, you know, they went sweet sixteen and then elite eight. And the president of the college and the AD and all these people saw uh, how how much excitement it brought, not just to the, the kids, but to the college and to the neighboring places and so forth, you know, so that would, that was a big change here, you know, so when I started, when we started to turn that corner and we, my first year, we had three wins, uh, two of them were against the same team. And we were lucky to get those three wins to be, you know, bluntly honest. Uh, but then, like I say, we recruited some good kids who were okay players. And then they brought in good kids who were good players and then good kids that were great players. And now, you know, we, we expect to win every match we play. It doesn't matter who's on the other side of the net. Uh, does it always work out? Well, no, or else I'd, I'd be having Juniana's trophy here with me right now, but I, I don't, uh, you know, but that's, that is always our expectation is that we're going to compete, you know, and, um, I would hope that is true with every coach. I mean, you you don't get into D3 coaching for a paycheck because they're not great. Uh, you get into it for a love of the sport and to help kids become better in all areas of their life. And in order to do that, you have to compete no matter what you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. I love all of that. Well, Let's talk a little bit about what that athlete looks like because D3 is so unique. Just like the scheduling, you have to be very intrinsically motivated. You have to love the sport. What other qualities do athletes tend to have at the Division three level? What type of athlete will be successful in D3? So we already talked about being intrinsically motivated. I would say the other big thing is that I have noticed anyway, is that successful D3 athletes are task oriented, not time oriented. So when, when we talk to kids, I, I actually ask them, Hey, do you make schedules that, you know, you're from 1002 to 1004, you're getting a water break or, or do you say, I need to get water and then I need to do this and, and not put times on them. Uh, I think the most successful D3 athletes do not put times on things. And actually, I used to be the other way with that. I, I had I was one of those very detailed, meticulous practice planners, you know, the whole 1001, 1005, whatever. And now we just 
like we do with everything we do with our kids, we're, this is what we have to accomplish. And we're going to work at it till that is accomplished. Then if we have time, we'll work on this one. And I guess I would also add that with that, being able to prioritize your task makes a big difference too. You know, very, very few D3 athletes are going to be doing this for a living. You know, maybe, maybe two out of all the division three athletes every year get to get to do what they're doing in college athletics for a living. So being able to still be serious about that and understand that you're going to be a tax collector or you're going to own your own business or you're going to work with trees or whatever it is you plan on doing and put those tasks as the importance that they have. The only other thing I guess I would add as to personality traits or however you want to look at is the kid that has a little bit of it carries a chip, I guess, in, in all areas of their life seems to do a little bit better at D3. For some reason, that having to prove something drives them to to want to do the work, to mm. want about why task is more important than time. Is that true in every case? No. Uh, and it, uh, I'm sure it differentiates between head coaches too, which is why it's very important that all recruits Talk with current players, former players, if you can, and with the coaching staff, because every coach is a little bit different, you know. Mm -hmm. And in my experience, that kid that is intrinsically driven, that has that little chip and understands task over time, is the one that's most likely to, you know, be successful and and help your program grow. Yeah, that's really cool. And I feel like those are also the athletes who are going to be successful on the academic side, generally, yeah. too, because yeah. that's, you know, when we're going to college, we're playing athletics, we're also going to school, and we're also learning how to just be like a functional adult, just like at a baseline, you know, learning to be at those 7am weights when coach isn't checking in on you, you know learning, yeah, I need to eat much more food if I'm working out for six hours a day, you know, if those little things of learning how to take care of yourself, if you have that um, task orientation, and you you are a driven personality type, you're going to find those things come, they're still difficult, but they'll come a little bit easier than, you know, if, if they're not quite there intrinsically. Yeah, well stated, very nice. Cool. Let's talk about this then. What would you say? I can't tell you how many athletes. This is probably my number one thing I always talk about. I say, what are you looking at, at in a school? They're looking to go D1. Every athlete's looking to go D1. Not every athlete ends up at D1. What would you say to those athletes who, who are ch chasing a label rather than right. chasing the fit, which is so much more important? That's actually a really good question. And uh, as a division three coach, we deal with that every year. I mean, we, we talk with a lot of girls that end up going D1 and hopes that we can show them why D3 might be a better option for them. I think part of that has to do with club culture. You know, if, if I'm running a club and I can say that I've sent 50 kids D1, that's much better in parents' minds and spending their money yeah. than I've got kids that play D3. I guess what, what I try to get across to kids is that your team 
and your coaches at your school are going to be the ones that are helping you be successful. Your social life will come mainly from your team. Your coach will be the one that guides you through the trials and tribulations of becoming an adult. They're the ones that will poke you if you need poking in a particular direction, while at the same time letting you mess up a little bit because that's how you grow, you know. So I try to tell kids that it is awesome if you can get D1 and and play at the highest level you possibly can. But if that D1 program that's offering you doesn't have the team, the culture, the coaches that are going to help you be successful, then you end up in this wonderful transfer portal, which that's a whole nother subject, but it's not where you want to go. If players that are being recruited are being recruited D1, D2, D3, NAIA, junior college, whatever, take the time and actually look at all of them and, and find the place and coaches where you're going to have the best chance to be successful. We, we hear all the time, well, I'm waiting for, you know, I, I'm waiting to hear from Duke. I'm waiting to hear from, and I'm like, oh, if, you're, if you're a senior now and you haven't heard from them, and unless the first 279, I'll say, no, thank you, they're not getting to you. But as a coach, I'm also not going to tell a recruit that, you know, it's, right. it's a it's a weird thing that we have to deal with. So do the legwork, I guess, you know, don't, don't rule out anybody because of the number or lack of number next to the letter. No. Yeah. I, I totally agree. And I, I think that's, you get to college and maybe you can play division one, but are you going to, are you going to step on the court? Is I, your, is your team going to be winning? Do you care about winning? Do you care about playing? Are your coaches going to value you as an athlete, as a person, or are you just a Jersey number, you know? And I, in my experience, 100% of the time, an athlete is happier somewhere where they are playing and somewhere where they're able to contribute to success potentially of their team. Yeah, absolutely. You know, one of, one of the questions that I know I ask, and I know a few other coaches is where what what is the important thing is it going to a program that is winning or is it going to a program where you can get on the floor day one and make a real difference you know because a a lot of times that's a different school I would also like to add in about the whole d1 d3 whatever thing is I also think a lot of parents in particular say well if you don't go if you don't get a scholarship we can't afford to send you to the school Mm -hmm. and I always try to equate it to buying a car. When you walk onto a dealer lot and you see that that car is 38,000, you know, you're not paying 38,000 for it because you can barter right. this and that you can do that with college too. I mean, there are at, at D3, there's academic money. There's uh, lots of scholarships you can apply for. Uh, one of the nice things about the internet are, you know, things like fast web where, you can literally type in your name, major location, and it'll find you a thousand things to apply for. I do think that a lot of times the prestige of playing at D1 and and whatever overcomes the reality of what it is you really want to get out of a college. So yeah. 
It's and I never ever blame a kid for going D one. Uh, I don't care if they're going to sit the bench or whatever. If you're, if that's what is important to you, then God bless you. But again, I think some of the other things get overlooked sometimes with the playing time, with the competitiveness and all of that at D3, D2, D3. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, yeah, if that's what your goal is, go for that goal. That's not a bad thing to want that, just like you were saying but do your homework, check out your options, go watch a division three game. I can't tell you how many athletes I say, like, would you consider division three? No. Why? Eh, They don't have a good answer for that. You know, go this fall, go watch college volleyball. Don't just go watch the university of Texas and, you know, all these huge schools. Those are fun games. Yeah. Go to those too, but also, Check out a division two, see a division three, try to see one game at every level, whether that's live or you're streaming it or on YouTube or whatever. Don't just assume what it looks like because, because you haven't watched it. And and there, there are, yeah, there are bad division three teams, <laughs> but there's also very good division three teams. It's like that at every level, there's bad, there's good, there's middle, and you have to explore that and find where you fit. Yeah. I think one of the things that's really unique about D3 that maybe isn't, especially at the D1 level, is that with one or two players, a D3's team can all of a sudden start yeah. winning. For sure. Uh, oh, at D1, there's maybe 10 teams that have a legitimate shot to win a title. That's it. But at D3, I mean, uh, John Hopkins, I guess, is probably the 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 best example of that I mean they went from 500 to undefeated with a national championship they added two players and you know so it's easier I guess in some ways to to make that jump at D3 than it is at D1 you know a girl that might be sitting the bench at you know Penn State if she came to play for me might be competing for you know elite eight type stuff um, and again, it's there. I don't think there's a right or wrong answer. You know, I just think that sometimes those options get overlooked because of, oh, my God, I'm playing at you know, Texas or Florida or, you know, that that's much more exciting to put on your Facebook page than I'm going to SUNY Morrisville. I, I you know, if I could have wrote down University of Florida on mine, I would have. We get it. <laughs> but it's it's an individual choice but i do wish more people would look at division three for the quality of athletics that it really has Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely and how cool would it be to be that player who did turn a program around and make it successful and and yeah that penn state player is probably an all-american for your team too you know it's we don't we don't play for the awards you know that's not why you're going to vision three to be the you know player of the year or whatever whatever it may be but that's nice right that's that's always a nice little pin to put to put on your chest as we're going through yeah absolutely and you know we we've been fortunate here over the last couple of years to get some of those kids that they wanted to be a bigger fish you know Mm -hmm. uh again not not a right or wrong not a right or wrong in any way. It's just an individual decision. Mm-hmm. And uh, luckily for you know our program here, they decided that we were the ones that would help them be successful. 
Yeah. That's awesome. Well, cool. Well, Fred, that's been super great information. Do you have any final words of advice for players and parents who are in the middle or maybe at the beginning of their recruiting process? Yeah, actually two things. If you got time. Absolutely. For Give them both. The first one is make sure that you're updating all of your information as frequently as you can. Yep. Two reasons. One, when, when we go recruiting, uh, not being mean, but if your daughter has already committed, I don't want to spend half an hour watching her going, oh my God, she'd be a great fit for me. And then after I wait around four hours to talk to her at the end of the day, oh, I just committed too. Uh, the worst. <laughs> Yeah, you know, um, it's not a waste of time because I'm watching volleyball, but but it's time that I could spend better. Um, you know, so keep all those things updated. And secondly, um, please reply to everybody. It, it takes 30 seconds and, you know, hey, coach, thank you for reaching out. I don't know what I'm doing yet, whatever. But that way you're keeping all your options open. I know for for our program, I will reach out to a kid three times. And then if they don't respond to me, I move on because I've got a limited number of hours, a limited number of resources. You know, so even if it's just a quick thank you, that that at least lets us know that that you're interested, maybe down the line, so we can keep that those lines of communication open. Well, and to let me tag on on that last one, because that is such an important piece, even if they say no, thank you, like, whether it's yes, maybe no, or I don't know how to tie my shoes and have no idea how to, you know, what I'm looking for in a college, respond something. It's just like a respectful thing. It's a part of growing up. Make sure you say something to the coach. And a no is not going to hurt a coach's feelings. We, you know, we want a yes. We obviously would like to have that conversation, but if you tell us no, then they'll respect that. They'll move on. And that bridge is still there. If you do run into them in the future, if you decide to coach in the future and you happen to run into them, you know, things like that happen. So just maintain that communication is just, you know, a respectful thing to do. Yeah, that that's a great point. It's hard to say no, especially if you're a 16, 17 year old kid. And if we hear no, yeah, it stinks and it will hurt for a little bit because again, we also get emotionally attached, but that allows me to know that, okay, she found her home. Now I need to find, you know, I can focus more on these people or whatever. I hear no probably a thousand times more than I hear yes every year. Uh, I mean, I that, that. you know, it's, um, you know, and again, it's not ideal because I wish everybody would say yes. And well, no, I don't. I wish most people would say yes. So we'd have, we've only got 20 lockers in our locker room. So, you know, it's got to be careful. There's a limit. <laughs> um, there's a limit, but it's, um, it is okay to, to communicate openly and freely with college coaches. I mean, that's our, our job again, is to make it hard for you to say no, but it is okay to do so. We, we do not take it personal unless you go, no, cause I don't like you in which case then it would. <laughs> um, yeah. I think that, you know, to sum it all up, just again, don't, don't write off a school just because of a number. 
mm-hmm. you know, be, be proactive and, and so forth. And if you are just starting the process, you know, making connections with some coaches and camps and people like you, Allison, that, that, that can help them down that road can, and it can make an unbelievable difference in helping that person find that team coach family that, that can help them be successful in life. Thank you so much. That was, that was really great, helpful information, good wisdom, athletes. I hope you heard every word of that parents. I hope you heard every word of that. Cause it's, it's so specific for who your athlete is. And I, I love the sentiment, you know, don't look at the number, look at the school, look at the coaching staff, look at the team, do your research before, before discounting a place, you know, give yourself options. It's a good thing to look at the school as a whole, but it's also good to break down that piece that your daughter is going to be truly involved with, which is the the volleyball program. But again, like you mentioned really earlier, fit over number every time. Yeah, absolutely. It's such a, it's such a layered thing. You know, there's, there's so many layers to it and you don't get to all the different layers if you don't have the conversation. Have a conversation. Yeah. You know, you can always say no after the conversation. You can, after the visit, you can say no. Go having a phone call, going on a visit doesn't require any kind of commitment from you. Go check it out. If it's a no, it's a no. If it's a yes, then you found something that works for you and something that's going to be a good fit. Yeah, that's a great, I tell kids all the time, the worst thing that happens if you have a conversation with a college coach is you're exactly where you were before. Mm -hmm. That's it. Yeah. Or maybe you find that coach and and team that is right for you Mm -hmm. by giving up 15 minutes of your time now for four years later. Yeah. So, yeah. Absolutely. I love that. Well, Fred, this was awesome. Thank you so much for being a part of this. I really appreciate your time and I'm excited to see how you guys do this fall. Me, me too. So <laughs> <laughs> I have, uh, I have truly enjoyed getting to know you and, and following your social media and watching your podcast. You, you do really good work. You do Thanks, really Fred, good work. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much. Yeah. Thanks so much again to Fred. It was so awesome talking to you, friend. My friend, my friend, Fred. (laughs) My friend, Fred. I didn't even, gosh, that's hard to say. My friend, Fred. Um, Thank you so much for chatting with me, Fred. You're awesome. And thank you so much to you guys for tuning in. Just a reminder, if you need help in the recruiting process and you would like to talk about what that looks like for you and your family, go and schedule a free discovery call through the link in my bio on Instagram or via my website, howtogetrecruited.net, and we can talk about what that looks like for you. I hope everybody is starting off the fall great. I hope your seasons are starting off successfully, and I look forward to talking with you guys next time. Happy recruiting!